time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Yes, it does. And good to have you with us on this Thursday edition of the show. Coming up in this hour, we'll hear from our man Sam Yarnell. He's hanging out with us on the program. Something to consider. Uh, MLB releasing its top 10 players for 2024. They did a top 100. The top 10 is all I really cared about, so we'll get into that. Odds and ends, Tiger Woods' son Charlie playing uh, or trying to qualify for his first PGA Tour event. We'll get into that some. Jason Cole, Hall of Fame selector for the NFL, will hang out with us as well. We'll get some thoughts with him uh, on a couple of items around the league, including Justin Fields, who is a little sour about the fact that uh, he's being discussed in trade talks and is he going to stay, is he not going to stay, all of that good stuff. Uh, But we started out in basketball. We'll talk some NBA and college hoops uh, with Samaki Walker, good old friend of ours from the days back on NBC Sports Radio, former NBA forward, uh, is hanging out with us on the program. Now you've got, this is crazy, you've got a son playing in the G League, right? Son in the G League and daughter playing Division One college basketball, right? Correct. Can you even keep your head on? How do you even keep your head on straight trying to follow both of those? Well, you've got to have a son also that's playing with, he's in his second year playing with the Portland Trailblazers Jesus. as well. I mean, it's crazy. I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you keep tabs on all of it. Um, so I, I thought it would be great to get you on and kind of get your perspective on on both. And I want to start it out uh, in college basketball, where I feel look about twenty no about sixteen seventeen years ago, I had a conversation with Jay Billis, and I told him the day was coming where we were going to have parity like you've never seen in college basketball. And my reasoning was simple: basketball is as accessible a sport next to soccer. It's the easiest sport that you can play and play cheaply and just play on the street. Whereas baseball, huge financial investment required. Hockey, big financial investment. Golf, big financial investment. Football, big financial investment. Sports like soccer and basketball, that's not the case. So I thought with the expansion and the availability of that, that you were going to have more parity throughout college basketball because you can only have so many players on your bench. And I think that's where we are now with college basketball. While UConn and Purdue are the two top teams in the country, when you look at college basketball now, it feels like anybody could win when we get to tournament time. I agree totally. And I think, um, you know, to add to your point, you've got to credit a lot of that to the growth of the sport. And the growth of the sport has produced what? More trainers, more kids training and playing basketball. You've gotten kids who are getting better earlier in their careers man. who are you got guys who are coming in the NBA from a skill standpoint you know ready to play the game and it's like I said you credit that to the growth of the game itself um, but um, you know it, it's it's um, the game has grown it's grown tremendously but you you know you have to credit like I said the growth of the game to the trainers the trainers who are now you know, giving these kids uh, um, a pathway, you know, to the game itself. Um, what is the in in having a daughter playing now, and 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 it's even in women's college hoops. You know, remember, I I grew up in Connecticut where it was UConn, 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 and for a long time it was UConn and Tennessee, UConn and Tennessee. Rutgers sprinkled in a little bit. You look at it now, and 
the parity that we talk about in the men's game, you see it in the women's game as well. I would argue the most exciting player in all of basketball is a women's basketball player right now in Caitlin Clark. I can make the argument for her being the most must-see basketball player on TV right now. Um, and the ratings certainly bear that out. Um, do you see the same thing in the women's game that you see in the men's game in that regard? You are beginning to see the same impact in the women's game. Uh, going back to your point about the parity in the league and, and, and kids being exposed, you know, to um, the different, you know, styles of training. I think what it does is gives coaches a larger pool of kids to choose from where when we grew up, <laughs> kids were ushered into the to big schools. You thought you had to go to the power five schools in order to be, you know, productive. And the best kids, you know, of that crop were, you know, pushed in that direction. And so the Dukes, the Michigans, the North Carolinas, those schools are always, Kansas were always at the top of the list. Now, because of the kids, uh, the, the game of basketball, to your point, has grown so much. You know, you have a larger pool of kids, good kids, not just kids playing basketball to choose from. And so it has affected, definitely affected the parity around basketball on all levels. Uh, Samaki, give me a thought on, on, on the men's side right now. You know, I, I still, even with the loss to Creighton the other night on the road, which was a, a not a surprising letdown because they had the big win at Marquette, uh, against Marquette where they blew them out of the water. Um, UConn and Purdue, who else would you put sort of in that, in that tier if we're talking about the best teams in the country right now? Man, it's, 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 it's really tough to call. Um, you know, UConn and Purdue are the two teams that really stick out. And I think that have been the most consistent, uh, for me, everybody else, it's about timing. You know, those two teams for me have, like I said, a show consistency, but timing is everything. You know, in March Madness, it's one game. Mm. And so, particularly this year, you know, you thought, you know, Zach Eady and these guys would be the most dominant, but they haven't fared well in the Big Ten. You know, the Big Ten is not scared of Zach Eady and Purdue. So it depends on matchup and, and particularly what teams actually match up will determine the results this year. And I don't even know if Connecticut – or Purdue are safe when it comes out, you know, to, considering March Madness and how the parity and how players now step up. You know, these young kids now, just mentally, like their their approach on the biggest stage is different. <laughs> you know, they're not scared. Like in our era, you know, we, we realized that that stage was the biggest stage in basketball. And it came with the psychological pressures. Well, this this group just doesn't seem scared. It seems like the bigger the stage, the bigger they're ready to play. I mean, look, I laugh because this era has 2K and PlayStation. These kids are and it, and it impacts the way they see the game, right? They literally see the game like that, and it's and it's fun watching them, you know, you know, execute, you know, at a at a young age and just you know, taking the game to the next level because that's exactly what they do. Uh, we're hanging out with Sabaki Walker, former NBA forward, uh, hanging out with us on the show. I want to get his thoughts on some NBA items as well. Uh, the last time I talked to him was about nine years ago, which feels like way too long, Samaki. We're coming back. We'll get some thoughts. We'll get some thoughts with him on uh, what's going on around the NBA as we continue on this Thursday edition of Sports Wrap. Good to have you with us.
Over 13 million Americans were affected by identity theft in 2022, and the threats go way beyond just credit card fraud. Today's identity thieves can use your information in ways that are easy to miss by just monitoring accounts and credit, like opening loans, transferring home titles, even committing crimes. Someone got my social security number, made a driver's license, and it was used for criminal activity. You can do so much with a social security number that I didn't know could happen. They drained my bank account. It was terrifying. You're even more vulnerable than you realize. Your information is exposed through online shopping, banking, even corporate data breaches. No wonder there's a new victim of identity theft every three seconds. Only LifeLock alerts you to the widest volume of threats all in one place, like someone trying to use your social security number, open a new loan in your name, or even commit a crime in your name. There was a big yes button and there was a big no button. I clicked, that's not me, and LifeLock took it from there. If you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will be assigned to your case and work to fix the issue on your behalf. If something happens, you have somebody fighting for you. All LifeLock members are backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package, including reimbursement for stolen funds, personal expenses, and coverage for lawyers and experts up to $1 million. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. With LifeLock, it's easy to help protect yourself. I will be with LifeLock forever. Join the millions of people already protected by LifeLock. And for a limited time, save 25% on your first year with promo code 25TV. All plans include a 60-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-710-7531 or visit lifelock.com slash 25TV to save 25% on your first year of identity theft protection. Enroll now. Attention families with a loved one in a nursing home. If your loved one has suffered from bed sores, falls, broken bones, dehydration, or even death, you may be entitled to a substantial settlement. If you have a loved one who was injured in a nursing home, we will find out what happened. State violations are found against nursing homes every day. You have a limited time to file your claim, so don't wait. Call 800-398-5999 and speak with one of our attorneys. The call is confidential and free. Sports Wrap continues on this Thursday. Hanging out with Samaki Walker, former NBA forward. Um, I haven't talked to you in nine years. And, and I bring that up because it's wild to me to watch the NBA today. As opposed to the NBA that you and I even talked about nine years ago. It is, it's a dramatically different world. And it's kind of cool in this regard. I, I don't like the fact that we haven't talked in nine years. But in this regard, it's kind of cool. Because the last time we talked about the NBA, when I was working on NBC Sports Radio to where we are now, the league has evolved for better or worse. You know, less defense, more offensive-minded, more bigs on the floor altogether, more length, all of that stuff. That the game was sort of trending in that direction when we talked uh, last on the air. How do you feel, and now you have a son, as we were talking about before, you have a son playing with the Blazers. Um, How do you feel watching the game now as opposed to a decade ago when we were last talking about it? Do you like the direction it's gone with, you know, less defense, more offense, 
um, guys playing less minutes, the the load management, all of that has changed since you and I last talked. I agree. And to be fair, the game has changed always going through an evolutionary process. And I think each generation has attached themselves to their generation, their era. And you can go back into the early 70s and talk to those guys, and they will say the 90s era is probably soft and softer rules. And so that came with, as basketball has grown, the emergence of the superstar has impacted the game. The superstar needs to be protected. And this is big money. And the truth is now, because of Michael Jordan, you got to understand, 80s, 70s, 80s, late 80s, early 90s, it was about, more late 80s, it was about the team. The Celtics, the Lakers, you know, then you had the Michael Jordan era. It became Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And what the NBA found out, in my opinion, is that with a superstar, you can fill arenas. Regardless of whether the team wins or loses, people will come see the ball-headed guy come hang, put his tongue out in the air, dunk, hang on rims, and, and torch people. Samaki, I say this, I say this all the time. It blows my mind. Like the Pistons are absolutely a disaster. But you know what? Go look, go look at their attendance. They're still 96, 97% of capacity every home game. So why should they change anything? I mean, if fans are still showing up, who cares? The one thing that's gotten better with the NBA. People can argue whether the players are better or not. I think that's a debatable conversation. I think skill-wise, I think the errors are different. I think the skill sets are different. You know, bigs don't post up like, you know, as much as bigs used to then. The skill sets are different. you got more big shooting, you know, threes now. But um, the, the, the overall, you know, impact of the game. You know, I love where the game is going. I'm not one of those old guys who – are going to criticize where the game is because I believe the game has to evolve. What's gotten better is the marketing. The marketing of the players from each level. And now the NBA has found a way to make more players stars. You know, and it's benefited the NBA. Money, players want more money. The marketing, the NBA has to find ways to grow the NBA. And what the NBA has also found out that marketing to a younger generation now is the best way to go. So we can cry, spill milk all we want about the game changing, about the physicality, which I'm one of those guys who cry about the physicality because I do believe that it takes the part of the competitive spirit out of it. There's a level of physicality missing. We're not talking about the bad boy pissings and knocking people's head off. Right. We're simply talking about competitive. And then in the star, them people want to have it both ways. You want to see competition in these all-star games and things of that nature. And I just responded to a post on ESPN where I think Hassan Whiteside had made a comment. Everybody's coming up with all these ideas now of trying to get players to be competitive. Well, it starts in AAU. It starts at the ground root. You start taking the physicality out of this game and you start making players think it's all about offense it becomes about that. And so, but there is a new group of fans who enjoy that. And so as we are being pushed to the side as the older generation, and it hurts, 
there is a new generation that's willing to embrace this highlight game, dunks, this atmosphere, and this is where it is. And the NBA is doing well by targeting these kids. It's like a video game. I mean, that's essentially what it is. You're watching, you're, when you watch the NBA today, it's like watching a video game. I'll tell you a story. Okay. And this is a personal story, you know, with my son. And so, and I say it because it was, it was, it was, it was a, it was a disappointment, but it was funny. I get a call from the gym, Portland Trailblazers, you know, uh, Mike Smith calls me to say, well, issue with my son, he's coming in. They had put a, a program together for him to work out, you know, on his body. They wanted to get him a little stronger. And so, this was his personal workout. And I'm sure he probably wasn't you know, so happy that he had to do all the extra work and he's learning how to be a pro. This was his first year in the league. And so he shows up to his first workout late, <laughs> you know, got a pass. Second workout, he comes in, flip-flops, you know, just getting in and flip-flops. And so this is when I get the phone call, which he was very fortunate at this level that that, that, was <laughs> that even happened. But I laughed to myself because going back to the video games, these kids on 2K can sit down, talk to general managers, like the whole gamut of, of things you can possibly do in the NBA is in the game. And these kids are already emotionally feeling like they're part of this process. And so it's hard for them to take it as serious as we do when it's been a video game starting out in their life. And so... This And it was funny because I knew that he would grow and understand and become a pro, and he's done that, you know, in his time with all respect. But then he's not the only one. This is where most of these kids are now, and it's tough for them to have to manage considering the social media era and things that they have to juggle. So uh, this is the era that we're in. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Samaki, this was fun. Let's do this again soon. Uh, the constraints of television, we never have enough time. But uh, let's get you back on here in the near future and uh, and talk some hoops, if that's good for you. There's a page of my guy, man. Anytime <laughs> I'm available. I love it. Samaki Walker hanging out with us on the program today. All right, don't go anywhere. We're coming back with Jason Cole on the other side. He does a terrific job on all things NFL next. Great to have you with us on this Thursday edition of the program. Sammy Arnell coming up in about 20 minutes. Something to consider. MLB put out its list of top 10 players, and there was a surprise on this list as far as I was concerned. We'll get to that coming up. Uh, let's say hello to our friend Jason Cole, who does a terrific job on the NFL, Hall of Fame selector, uh, writer, analyst, you name it. He's, he's done it all uh, as it pertains to the NFL. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on Justin Fields, and I haven't said anything about it because it, it kind of broke late, you know, it, it, towards it, at the end of our window yesterday for the show. But my, my whole thing on it is, man, don't complain about this is just this is how it works. This is how the sausage gets made in the NFL with trade talks and rumors and and indecision by teams and all of that. that that's what you sign up for when you get into this league. And I don't think it shines a positive light on them to be complaining about it. Um, no, I think he's being human. Um 
and you go from being a first round pick to thinking you you've got it under control, everything's going well, to now you're sort of a piece of meat in that in that machine, right? And you're being treated that way, and you want to find a home, and you want to go to a place, and you want to be wanted again, all those things. And, and so there's some humanness to it. Combined with the fact that you're, what, 23 or 24 years old, whatever you are, and you've never been through this. Because up till now, everybody has been kissing Justin Fields' ass, mm-hmm. right? From the time he was probably a seventh grader. Uh, everybody's saying, you know, you come play for us, come play for us, be a star, be a star. You know, whether that was the, the high school he played in, whether that was Ohio State, whether that was being a first round pick with, with the bears. Now you're confronting the reality of you may not be all that good. And your career is sort of teetering here. Um, and you're going to have to go to a new place and prove yourself. And people are bartering and saying, yeah, you're not that good. I don't want to pay a second round pick that good. I'm not going to do this. You're not that. This is why, this is why players should never negotiate their own contracts, right? Like, because you have to hear the negative stuff about you uh, and why they don't want to pay you what they want, what you want them to pay you and stuff like that. But, you know, it's human. It didn't bother me that much. It's just, it's the way it is. Do you think, do you think, do you think a team can win? Do you think, do you think he can be, I, I actually, from a physical standpoint, where he started to where he is now. I think he's a better quarterback than he was two years ago. I think you can, I think you can actually win with him. I think in the right system with the right coach, I think you can win with Justin Fields. I don't know if we're going to get it. I don't know if we're going to get a chance to find that out though. He may be a victim of circumstance. There are certain quarterbacks who become victims of circumstance. That's how this league turns out. Um, I don't know. The question is, I think you can win with Justin Fields. The question is when and surrounded by what, in what circumstance there are a lot. He is a better quarterback than in what he was. I don't know that he can't make that final ascension into being more, you know, supremely accurate and a quicker decision maker, right? Things that he has to do. I've seen it in Lamar Jackson which gives me hope for Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if Justin Fields is going to get there by next year or the year after, or this year, you know, this year, next year, the year after. And in, in between there are contractual issues that drive up his price to a place where it becomes uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. the team that's keeping him. And that's the, that's the hiccup in all of this is you pick up the fifth year option it's 26 27 million dollars you you know have to negotiate a longer term deal with him that you want to invest in him but he's sitting here going i have the leverage to demand a 35 or 40 million dollar contract if i play is that right and you're like i'm not going to invest 35 or 40 million dollars and 100 million dollars guaranteed in a guy who i don't know is a finished product so there's there are there are issues within this that have to play themselves out. It's sort of why I remember having this conversation with Jimmy Sexton one time when he was representing Tim Tebow. Mm -hmm. 
And he's like, oh, he's going. We're going to get him in the first round. We're going. Go. I go, Jimmy. The worst thing in the world you can do is make him a first round pick. And he looked at me sideways, like, well, you know, I'm like, no. This kid has things he has to work on that you're talking about openly, like his throwing motion, his mechanics, is this, is that. If he's a first round pick, he's going to be expected to play. And it doesn't matter if you're the number one or you're the number twenty seven. You're expected to play. People think you're good enough. They don't sit there and say, yeah, he's going to have to sit there for two or three years and iron out his, iron out his mechanics, and then we'll put him out there. That doesn't happen. Um, I only got about a minute or so here uh, left in this segment. We're holding you over for one more. You know who I think of when I think of quarterbacks of circumstance? This is totally off the beaten path, that being victims of circumstance. Tell me if you agree with this one. I've always felt this way. Charlie Batch. I thought he was a better quarterback than he got credit for being. And because of where he played in Detroit, that was victim of circumstance. Yeah, there's some of that. Like Archie Manning. Right? Archie Manning. You go to a crap team that doesn't know how to build. You know? Hey, anybody ever taken by the Chicago Bears since Sid Luckman? <laughs> they don't know how to develop a quarterback. Jim Plunkett in New England. I mean, there's a long list of guys. Yeah. Charlie Batch is a good modern example of it. Lots of things have to come together for quarterbacks to make it. Okay. For everything to go right. And a lot of it is in their control. A lot of it is not in their control. No, it's very true. Um, and I, like I said, I hope he gets an opportunity outside. If it's not with Chicago, I hope there is a team out there that that sees the positive in him and uh, and gives him an opportunity because I think he can. I I think he can play, and I, I think it's a fair example when you bring up Lamar Jackson and point out you know what Jackson was when he started versus you know where he is now. Uh, granted, the the playoff uh, issue still continues to haunt him a bit, but. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation. Jason Cole's going to hang out with us for another segment. Uh, I got some other items to get into with him. Antonio Pierce. I don't know. Not sure. Uh, what he had to say about the Chiefs. We'll talk about that. Lots more to do as Sports Wrap continues. Don't go anywhere. Attention families with a loved one in a nursing home. If your loved one has suffered from bed sores, falls, broken bones, dehydration, or even death, you may be entitled to a substantial settlement. If you have a loved one who was injured in a nursing home, we will find out what happened. State violations are found against nursing homes every day. You have a limited time to file your claim, so don't wait. Call 800-398-5999 and speak with one of our attorneys. The call is confidential and free. Sam Yarnell will hang out with us in about 10 minutes. We'll have something to consider. MLB putting out its top 10 player list. They put out like a top 100, but the top 10 is what caught my attention. Get to that coming up in a few. Odds and ends, Charlie Woods trying to play his way into a PGA Tour event. Too much too soon? We'll talk about that. Uh, Jason Cole is hanging out with us, does a great job, uh, as always, on all things NFL, Hall of Fame selector, author of a book that's somewhere behind me. Shut up, your kid is not that great. What, what was that, Jason? 
I see it. I see it. I see it behind yeah, your head. It's behind. It's behind my head, um, which is available on all your favorite online uh, book retailers. Can I get it at Barnes and Noble if I go inside of Barnes and Noble? Not that I need one because you sent me one, but I think so. I think so. Oh, yes, right. I think Barnes um, and Noble. Yes. By the way, you think? Do you think? Do you think it's crazy that Charlie Woods at fifteen is trying to get into a PGA Tour event? Mm. I mean, you. It, it kind of ties it in. It ties in quite well to your book. Let's be honest. Yeah, but I don't know how good he is. Like, is he that? I, I don't follow it enough to know yeah. is Charlie really that good. Oh, he's good. Okay, if he's if he's, he's if he's that good, yeah, he, then more power to him. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, a plus three. He's a plus three handicap, so he's he's pretty good. You know, he's he's shooting in the sixties. I mean, at fifteen, which is insane. Um, but yeah, and Tiger's not there. Interestingly enough, uh, at his qualifying round today, Elon Nordegren is, but Tiger is not. Just just want to put that out there. Okay. Okay. Um, let's talk about Antonio Pierce because I know you're kind of chomping at the bit on it, and so am I. Uh, Antonio <laughs> Pierce coming out on this Max Crosby uh, podcast and saying. You know, we're, it, much like the Jordan rules back in the Pistons days with Chuck Daly, we're going to hit him, we're going to bump him, we're going to scratch him, we're going to get into his spirit, his soul, all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there going, why? Why would you poke the bear? Don't you see this guy thrives on finding motivation? And all you're doing is just feeding the beast when you do stuff like this. I just, I don't get it. Antonio needs to learn something really important because not only that podcast, but he went on this long, he had this long column that was on the, I think the players tribune that appeared the week of the, the, the Super Bowl. It's like, shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> Go coach your team. Right. Don't pop off in the public. Don't, don't talk about how you have answers to the test. Because you happen, I think they beat him during the regular season. If I remember, you know, like you don't really have the answers to test. You won one game, okay? You haven't coached in this league long enough to 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 talk like that. Um, and frankly, you don't know anything about coaching yet. Really, know anything? All right. Um, you got a lot of people to listen to. Focus on your team and talking to your team. Focus on your players and talking to your players. Um, you know, I know it's the, you know, don't be afraid to be a braggart. You know, don't be afraid to to put it out there that you're going to win. Don't be afraid to say things. You know, Jimmy Johnson would be probably like that. But you're talking about Patrick Mahomes. And you're talking about a whole lot of better minds than you have tried to come up with solutions to how to stop that dude. And he's got three Super Bowl victories, right? <laughs> Okay, you don't have the answers to the test yet. You won a game. That's all you did. You won a game. You made some things work for a day. He's going to find something. And if he thinks that you you think that you've got the answers to the test, he's going to try and beat you all that, all that much more, which is what you're talking about, right? That's number one. Number two, if you do have the answers to the test, don't tell anybody. Yes. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Just play, you know, like Andy Reid doesn't sit there and go, well, we have answers to what everything that San Francisco is doing on defense. Because he didn't in that game. He eventually found some, right? But you don't see Andy Reid going out there and 
you know, talking about, oh, I've got the answers to what they're, you know, we're, they can't stop us now. Like, that's not the way you do it in this business. It's like, it's, it's not like, how you last. it's like, it's like spotting somebody's tell in a poker game. You don't tell <laughs> them you spotted the tell. You, right. you don't let them know that you just keep taking their money. And he's basically trying Correct. to pretend like he spotted a tell, which he probably didn't. He's, I think he's mistaken in that regard. It just, it just blows my mind. It blows my they mind. Had a good game. They had a good game. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's one thing you can, you can bet on Antonio. They're going to go get two really good receivers this off season. One bet veteran, probably going to draft another guy. They're going to come back loaded for bear. They're going to start scoring points again more than they did this last season. They're going to reinvent themselves as an offensive team, right? They're going to get better at it. They're still going to be good on defense. And you're going to have a truckload of problems to deal with when they give him two really good receivers. So you don't have the answers. Uh, I've got 45 seconds here. What do you make of, of Jimmy Johnson getting back into the fold at, in, in, the, in Cowboys land with Jerry in this advisory role? Why do they need more of a voice? I mean, look, Jerry, Jimmy is as smart a football man as you'll find, right? I think he's out of touch with what's going on in the league, even though he works in TV, uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you know, in terms of personnel and all of those things, because he doesn't study it on a day-to-day basis the way he used to, right? Um, if you're talking about just general advice, great. Talking about specific things, the Cowboys don't need that. What they need to do is empower your head coach, not bring in more people to second guess him, <laughs> right? Yeah, Jimmy will do. You Jimmy hire will do the coach. Of that. Let, yeah. let the coach do the job. Let him run the team. Stay out of the stay out of the way, and make your decisions. Uh, that is Jason Cole. He does a terrific job. Hall of Fame selector. I always appreciate it, my friend. The book. Shut up, your kid is not that great. Go get it. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Be well. Absolutely. Take care. We're coming back. Hi, friends. Richard Karn here. Now, I'm known as the guy who can fix just about anything, but the technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. And that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty. Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more. Imagine for less than a cup of coffee a day, Choice Home Warranty can help protect you from expensive major system and appliance breakdowns that your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover. Call Choice Home Warranty now and get access to a nationwide network of over 15,000 technicians and the latest appointment setting technology so you'll know when they're on their way. So do what this old DIYer did and call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down. Get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances and more. Call for your free quote today. Call in the next five minutes and get your first month free. 800-394-8109. Let's continue the conversation on this Thursday edition of the show with something to consider. We bring in our good friend Sam Yarnell, who's been waiting anxiously on the sidelines to get in the game as we Spoke with Samaki Walker, former NBA forward, and Jason Cole, Hall of Fame selector. All right, something to consider, Sam. The MLB Network Top 100 Player List of 2024 has been fully released now. The final top 10 players on that list have been made public. Um, 
I'll run them down in order for people who might be listening as opposed to to, to watching the show. Um, listening, you know, because you can listen to the podcast or you can watch it. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is number 10. Garrett Cole is number 9. Jordan Alvarez is number 8. Soto, that being Juan, number 7. Corey Seager is number 6. Freddie Freeman is number 5. Shohei Otani is number 4. Aaron Judge is number 3. Mookie Betts is number 2. And Ronald Acuna Jr. is listed as their top 100 player list. He is the top of 2024. Where do you have gripes, if any? So I... We all saw it's pretty easy. Like we all saw this coming. Uh, Ronald Acuna, far and away the best player in Major League Baseball. Not really close this season with Shohei Otani not pitching. Right when he's a one-dimensional player, he's obviously half as valuable. Uh, and Ronald Acuna Jr. is my gosh, was historically good last season. And I think he'll only expand on that this year. Now that he's got a full season of the new base stealing rules under his belt, do we see? 80 90 who knows um my main gripe here is you see otani you see Corey seager but you don't see the other top three vote getter for american league mvp last season where's marcus simeon because he's a defending world champion and i can tell you right now that team does not get as far as they did in October into November last season without the second base that he played all season long. Uh, Marcus Simeon is an incremental piece to that Texas team, and the improvement that he's seen over the course of his career feels like it's been exponential from Oakland all the way to Texas. Uh, I feel like Marcus Simeon is a glaring leave off of this list but other than that i don't really have see, any gripes with it so you think simi so wait if you're putting simian on the list who are you taking off if you're talking top 10 so it's hard for me to That's say because like problem. i said so well you're you're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy that i'm about to say this and i i don't enjoy saying it but juan soto maybe nah, Jordan alvarez i can't put simian ahead of soto I can't Maybe. put him in. I can't. The, the, here's the one that I'd be able to make the argument for. I'd put him ahead. I'd put him ahead of Garrett Cole. I wouldn't have a pitcher in the top ten. Sure. If I can yeah. make an argument, if I was making an argument, I'd take Cole off the top ten. That's interesting. Uh, so here's my thing with Garrett Cole. I I think out of right. You got nine players on the field. One of them's a pitcher. So I think out of the top 10, it is fair for one to be a pitcher. But why? And I think Just Garrett, for the sake Garrett of Cole saying is... there's a pitcher in the top 10, I don't think yeah. a pitcher belongs. He's going to play 35 games this year. Right. I right. can't, and that, I can't that is ever a make that argument. argument. No, I can't and, ever. And I'm with nope. you. I hear you. I think you're right. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I would knock Garrett Cole off, but... You know, just for for fun, I I don't think, yeah, I don't think there should be three Yankees in the top ten and only one Texas Ranger. I'm shocked. I'll tell you what shocks me. I'm shocked you haven't jumped on the fact that Otani's four and Judge is three. I know Otani's not pitching this year, but I'm surprised you wouldn't go Otani over Judge. I wouldn't. If Judge is healthy and plays 140 games, I think he will right. statistically be better than Shohei Otani will this year. So that's why sure. that's why I don't have an issue with him being three. I think them being three, four. I th look, 
it's, you know, six of one half dozen of the other. They're both phenomenal talents, but I don't have a problem with Judge being ahead of him because if you're just talking purely in, as offensive players and Judge does more defensively because he actually plays in the field as opposed to Otani who doesn't. That that was what I was going to say is, you know, they don't say how they're quantifying this top 100. You would assume that it's off of value, which obviously we, you know, talk about every year is a very relative term. But yeah, the val because Aaron Judge not only plays defense, he plays good defense. He is a good defensive outfielder uh, with a strong arm and, and, you know, decent range for a guy that size. He moves pretty well in the outfield. Uh I think that that, to me, is why I, I don't have a gripe with it, right? Like, the the value in the concept of Shohei Otani is the fact that you can save a roster spot with a position player and a pitcher at the same time. That, to me, thinking about it in the grand scheme of baseball and how to run the business of baseball, that, to me, is worth anything. It's, it's worth almost more than we've ever seen in Major League Baseball when you're doing it in 2023. When you move to only being able to play one side of the ball, side of the ball, no yeah, side to a round ball, but when you move to only being a DH, it's hard to justify the value, right? You're not saving a roster spot. You don't play defense. He's a great hitter. He is a, a very good hitter, but not pitching loses a lot of value to me. I'm fine with him at four. Um, we'll bleed this over, this something to consider, uh, into odds and ends, because I want to talk about AL MVP, NL MVP. That'll be the odds side of odds and ends. And the end side? Well, it might be the end for Charlie Woods before it ever began. <laughs> we will explain. Uh, as he made his first appearance trying to qualify for a PGA Tour event, we'll get to it next. Don't go anywhere. just about time to wrap up this baby for a Thursday but before we do time for some odds and ends odds and ends Sam Yarnell putting a bow on what we were talking about in the uh, last segment about the top 10 list that MLB has put out Uh, we have the FanDuel listing the unofficial sports book of sports rap unofficial because they don't pay us. Um, this is what it looks like on FanDuel for the AL MVP race with Aaron Judge at plus 550, Juan Soto at 600, Corey Seager at 850, Jordan Alvarez at 950, Julio Rodriguez at 1200, Kyle Tucker at 1500, and then Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, and a couple other guys, Gunnar Henderson and Mike Trout at plus 2000 do you have something early on that you like in this in this uh al mvp race i mean jason i get on the show every week and i say we're not gonna bet any short favorites this early in the season but specifically with a player driven award this is not something that you want to touch this early i realistically the the odds on all of these things you're putting yourself in too much of a liability spot when it comes to injury when it comes to so many variables that we talk about during the baseball season if you really want to take a shot and you just have a hankering to get an mvp vote down quite frankly i'm looking at the super long shots i'm looking at your 
look at Carlos Correa on the bounce back to have a to have a really nice season for the Twins if they could make a deep run like that price at eighty to one. You're looking at guys like that, guys who I'll give you one. I'll give you one. You ready? Louis Robert, Louis Robert at five thousand. There's, there. I love it. uh, He's gonna have to get traded. No, he's gonna put up big numbers this year. I'm telling you, if that dude's healthy, he will have an MVP caliber season. Again, it might get washed away because there's so many guys at the top level: Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez, Julio Rodriguez. Um, that that to me, I think that's that's where the struggle lies. Is just how many guys he's gonna have to overcome. But I think I think Lewis Roberts gonna put up a big year. I really do. To be even in contention, right? Think about the last times that we have seen an MVP on a non-contending team. Because, I mean, can we at least agree on the fact that the Chicago White Sox are not going to come anywhere close to contending That's this year? That's a crappy year? division. You, ne- I never, I will never, ever, ever, ever rule out anybody in the AL Central. I just won't. You can't. Uh, it's an 87-win division. I realistically, the Chicago White Sox, and I'm being 100% frank when I say this, I think that there's a realistic chance that they finish the season with a worse record than the Kansas City Royals. Like, I, I think that they will finish the division. They will finish the season at the bottom of that division. But Luis Robert would have to have a Shohei Otani-esque season to even be in contention come September, right? I don't see that happening. It's hard. Like, when you think about the Central, to me, it's going to be the Twins or the Guardians. By the way, 63 and a half half the win total for the White Sox. Yeah, yeah, no, but they're they're live in the Central, according to Jason Bates. They are. Vegas says they're going to lose 98 games, but hey, Jason Page told me they're alive in the Central. What was the win total for the Orioles? Hey, what was the win total for the Orioles last year? Uh, it was in it was seventy seven and a half, and I know because I bet the over. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> but listen, I, I think I think that you would be correct if Dylan Cease could start five games in a row. But as long as he can't. There's no chance the White Sox win more than Dylan Cease 75 games this right, season. Fine. Dylan Cease won't even be on that team. Um, before there we go, go, before we go, we got to get to Charlie Woods uh, because I've talked Oof. about it all show today. Charlie Oof. competing in the pre-qualifying event, trying to qualify for Monday's qualifier for next week's PGA Tour event, which is in his backyard in Palm Beach uh, in, in Florida. Everybody was following along, trying to get information, and this was the final scorecard for Charlie Woods today. He shot a plus 16. Uh, 16 over, he shot 86, including a mind-numbing 12 on the par 4 7th hole. (sighs) Well, at least he's got the first one under his belt, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that that alone, because we've seen, obviously, everyone's seen Charlie playing with his dad and years old, and he's been so good. He's been so good at golf. I think that this 
to anybody should just show you how difficult playing golf on the professional level is. Mm. It is a different ball game than you and your, you know, three buddies going out to the <laughs> local Muni course on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, and as much as you want to pretend like that's the Masters and put on a, a Goodwill thrifted jacket after one of you <laughs> wins with a an 89 final round score, I think Charlie Woods is showing us all how difficult professional golf actually is. Yeah. I, I hope this isn't, you know, this doesn't discourage him. I hope he continues to try to to you know in these qualifiers when he has an opportunity to do so but it certainly shows you just how far he has to go to play at that next level he's 15 years old people who are taking jabs at him online come on do better than that he's 15 years old he's a plus three handicap i mean it's sick to be that at that age it's going to do it for us today. Thank you to our friend Sam Yarnell. Sam, we'll see you tomorrow. Jason Cole, of course, and Samaki Walker. I'm Jason Page. We'll see you back here on Friday.